It is time for the word. Amen. 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 Everything you get in your life is going to come because of the word. Amen. All right, let's get right into God's word. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Everything that you get in your life that's good cometh from above. Amen. The Bible said every good gift, every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights in whom there's no variable in neither shadow turning. Second Corinthians chapter number three, we're going to look at verse one through nine before we get into our teaching today. We are doing this because we have not left the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Are you there? Amen. Verse number one, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we or some other epistles or commendations to you or letters of commendation from you. You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. That's why we are doing the ministration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the ministry of the Spirit of the living God. Amen. So let's go to our subject, Ephesians chapter 4. Look like we're going to be here a while. Ephesians chapter 4 is what we're going to read today. Let's do verse 29 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. When you get this, say amen. amen. Let's read that together. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, and it may minister grace to the hearer, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, Christ has done what? He's already forgiven you. Amen. You may be seated. So I should forgive you because Christ has already forgiven me. Is that right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. Thank you now for your grace, your mercy, your love. Now we ask you to lead us and guide us. Teach us your word. We bless you now. We praise you. We appreciate you. We thank you for giving us eternal life. And Lord, now teach us how we have it. We want to make sure everybody in this place has eternal life. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, we pray, and through your precious blood, all the grieve their prayer said amen. 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 My heart and prayer to God is, like Paul is, that you may be saved. Uh, that, that is my ultimate goal as a pastor, is to make sure that the people that, uh, that I pastor uh, has come into the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. All right. So what I want you to do now is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. We're going to read that one more time. Are you there? Ephesians 4 and verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Grieve not. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So we are teaching on uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Say that with me. Grieve not. The Holy Spirit of God. All right. Now, we, are, we gave you a definition for the word greed. We want to put that on the screen because we got several words for the word greed. Greed. You want to put that there. And he told you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, if you, if you, if, we're going to get to that eventually. But I have to, thank you. I have to be able to show you, grieve not the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of words up there. Number one word means to offend. So you can offend the Holy Spirit. Number two, you can displease the Holy Spirit. You can cause him to mourn the Holy Spirit now. I'm going to give you some more, so you're going to add something to what you have up there. Uh, you can inflict pain on the Holy Spirit. You can oppress the Holy Spirit. There it is. You can burden the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? You can make the Holy Spirit sad by the way you live your life. So we want to we deal with this because that's the definition of the word grieve. And we don't want to do that. See, if the Holy Spirit is going to work with us, we have to work with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible said we are his workmanship. Created, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so everything we do, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Everything we do, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. You can't do anything without him, right? Amen. All right. So uh, let's get into this because the, the whole meat of it is there are three things uh, that has to happen. There are three things that has to happen. Uh, these first three chapters. The first three chapters has to happen. If you don't get the first three chapters, uh, you will understand the, the last three chapters. First of all, why do I need the first three chapters? See, I need the first three chapters because it's going to tell me what God has done for me. See, you, you don't... If you realize what God has done for you in the first three chapters, then you ought to want to do the, the next three chapters, and that's telling you how to live your life. And the reason we don't live our lives according to God's word is because we have not understood the first three chapters of the book Ephesians. The first three chapters of the book Ephesians, I'm going to go over these things until we get it, until we begin to walk in it. All right? So I want to just start off just giving you one, two, three, four, five, and that's how I want to see them on the screen, okay? I'm going to give you Ephesians chapter 1, and then I'm going to give you verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. I'm going to start at verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, remember the whole thing in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, all is telling you what God has done for us. 
That's what I gave you. And then I gave you 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4 to go with that. Told us that God has given us all things to pertain to life and godliness. Has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All right. Then I said to you that that was in 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. But then I told you that's in Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. All these chapters is telling you what God has given unto us. All right, but let's go into verse number 3. In verse number 3, I want to, this, this is how I wanted to say it, just short and sweet. In Ephesians 1 and 3, God has blessed us. We're going to just go very sweetly. Now, I can give you the whole verse. It says, as his divine power has given unto us all things. That's in 2 Peter there, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. All right, he has given us all things. Now, Peter taught the church of God. All right, so let's go back to Ephesians 1 and 3. In Ephesians 1 and 3, I want you to make sure that you type in, in your notes, God has blessed us. If you don't get anything else, because I already told you, he blessed us with all things. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So he's already blessed us. He's telling us everything he has done for us, then he's going to ask us to live for him. And when we don't, then we grieve the Holy Spirit. All right, now, Ephesians 1 and 4. God has chosen us. Now, all of this in Christ. Once you were put in Christ, now you are chosen. I want you to understand that. Ephesians 1 and 4. Always put the screen up. According as he has chosen us. Now, you got to see what he chosen us at. In him. So, until you got in him, you wasn't chosen. So I don't want you to think how it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people were chosen in the Old Testament who was Israel. But that's not the way it is in the New Covenant. You got to be in Christ to be chosen. All right? Now, Ephesians 1 and 4 told us that according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holding without blame before him in love. So he has a purpose in our life, but we got to walk in love. All right. And then Ephesians chapter one, verse number five. Now he has chosen us. I gave you these verses. I'm not going back through them anymore. You can show them on the screen for the people, but we're going to move on. I gave you Romans 8:28. Let's flash it up there for the people. Because he has chosen you, now all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the call according to his purpose. So we know God called you, and he also, once you answer the call, now he has chosen you. Let me say it again. First, God called you. Once you answer the call and receive Christ according to his word, now he has chosen us in Christ. All right. And now the next thing I told you in Romans 8:28, now all things work together for your good. See, I have a problem when people say that all of this has happened, but things don't work together for them. So you need to go back and, and look and see, is, it, is all things working together for your good? 
Because the word of God said it does. All right. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. This is under the word chosen. See, God has already chosen us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brother and beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Now he told you what he chose you for. He chose you to salvation. But it's through sanctification of the Spirit, which he's already done. And here's the other one, belief of the truth. So you have to believe the truth. And we have to know what the truth. My concerns is with the church I pastor. That's my greatest concern. Is that we don't just keep going to church, keep going to church, keep hearing, keep hearing, and think we got it. Because until you understand what the truth is, you don't have it. Because you don't know what you believe. See, that people just think, well, it's the Bible, it's the truth. Wait a minute. That's not, that, that's not how this goes. So you got to understand that you have to rightly divide the word of truth. We're going to show you that. So you got to know what's, in, what's truth and what's not truth. And your responsibility is to know what's truth. And I'm going to share that with you today. My greatest concern is that you don't think you already got it. That, that is the hardest people to ever get anything over to. Because they can't, relieve, they can't receive no more. They just, I already know what they're going to say. I, you know. I already got it, you know. But you don't have it. I've been up since 3 o'clock this morning, and I can tell you, you don't have it. If we, if, you, if we can get it that easy, Lord, stop waking me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Praise God. All right? Now, in 2 Timothy 2.13, he has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we might be blameless in love but it's in Christ. Now let's go to 2 Timothy. This is what we left off with. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. God telling us what he's already done for us. But you have to make sure your part is believing the truth. Be, be, he says here, be not to Timothy. He told Timothy, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The testimony of our Lord. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's the testimony of our Lord. Then he said, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partake of the afflictions of the gospel. He called the testimony of our Lord the gospel. According to the power of God, we know it's the power of God. Then it says in verse 9, who hath, past tense, the Bible always telling you about what God has done for you. And your love is not just to say, see, he, just, he didn't just say he loved me. He just, he just didn't say it. He came here and he died for me. Buried and raised again from the dead. So he just didn't say it. So what we try to do, we just say, Lord, I love you. That's not good enough. Will you live for him? Are you living for him? If you're not living for him, that saying you love is, is not what he needs to hear. Saying one thing and doing something else is hypocrisy. <coughs> who has saved us, saved us. That's what he did for you. Then he called us with a holy calling. 
See, so you can see what he did. He called me to salvation. He saved me. Not according to my works. See, we live in a, we live in a time right now that people put their works out there. Talked to a person the other day, and the, f the first thing they told me was, you know, I, I was uh, in, already started my fast, she says. Turns God off. I've already started my fast. And I want to say, for what? <laughs> now, if you want to do something, just keep between you and God, but you don't tell nobody else that, because that's, that's just something between you and God, what you do. If you need to fast so you can be able to do some things, then that's between you and God. But it doesn't make it happen because you fast. As a matter of fact, I have seen God do more through me and with me when I just got through eating than when I fast. Amen. So don't, don't give that the credit. Don't, because God did this, because somehow, you know, I was fasting and praying at that time. That don't mean that's why God, God did that for you because you are his child, because you are his son and daughter. Now, you ought to be able to see that in the natural. You got children, you got to be able to see it in the natural. You don't, you don't give your children lunch money in the morning because they fasted. You give them lunch money because that's your child. They got to go to school. All right. So we have to understand that, all those kind of things. So we got all this other stuff, and I, I just look at it as baggage, really. But it does not make it happen. He chose us, called us. That's uh, 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. He saved us, called us with a holy corner, not according to our works. We haven't done anything, but according to his own purpose, his own grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. So God already promised us this before the world began. But it, it couldn't happen until Christ come. You got to understand that. Now, let's go to the next one, Ephesians 1 and 5. He predestinated us. I'm just short and sweet what he did for you. He predestinated us. That's predestined, you see. He predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted when he created Adam. He predestinated us to the adoption of, 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 of sons, children by Jesus Christ to himself. Watch this, according to the good place of his will, not yours. This is what he wanted. All right, then we, then we showed you that he, he, he predestined us. Then under he predestined us, I'm going to show you, let's show you Romans 8, 29 and 30. He predestined us. I'm going to put that, that one scripture with that. He predestined us, Ephesians chapter number, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 29 and 30. The book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 and 30. He predestined us. The Bible said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. So his whole thing was, so we will be conformed to the image of his son. Now, to be, to be conformed to the image of his son has to do with the mind. I'm going to be teaching on that. And that's why Paul told us, be transformed 
by the renewing your mind. So his whole thing is whom he foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Now he's talking about it in your mind, to the image of his son, that, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Let's see that same word. Verse 30 says, Moreover whom he did predestinate, he also called. Those he called, my wife said this every Sunday. When she closes out, she used these three words. Whom he predestinated, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And he, those he justified, he also glorified. See, he's already done everything for us. Now, since we are knowing this, will, will I live for him? See, that's what it's all about. And when we, when we know this and then we go and walk another way, live another way, then that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, I just want to make sure we understand that. And that's what God has asked us to do. He's done everything for us. So in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, that's the next one. He has made us accepted. So otherwise, he has already made us accepted in Christ. So you can't get good enough like I was talking about fasting, you know, you ought to fast sometime. It's good for the body. You know, you ought to push away stuff and, you know, between you and the Lord, but it, it's not going to make God do something or not do something. It's just for you. All right. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, he made us accepted in Christ. The Bible said, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath passed tent made us accepted in Christ. Now, if he's already made me accepted in Christ, how did he do it? Here it is. Remember what I'm giving you here, because this is very important. Let's go to Romans chapter 3, and let's start reading verse number 21. And you want to put down us, he justified us. I just showed it to you, didn't I? I showed he called you, he justified you. It was four, remember? It's not this two, it's four. Yeah, but he also glorified us. But I'm showing you, he did justify me. I just showed it to you, right? I'm going to show you again. He, here it is, Ephesians 1 and 3, God has blessed us. Number two, God has chosen us. God has called us. God has saved us. God has predestined us. All right, and now we're getting into the next one. God has accepted us in Christ. Now, we're going to go to, let's show, you, let's show you before I go to Romans. We already showed you Ephesians 1 and 6. We accepted us in the beloved. Ephesians 1 and 6, right? Now, let's go and show you that in Colossians 1.14. He has accepted us. Now, if he's already accepted me, then I, I, I don't, he's not accepting me when I take communion or don't take communion. Remember, because it's not a works, right? So he, he's not accepting you if you're going to get baptized or not get baptized. See, you've got to be able to take all that out the way. If he accepted you, he's already accepted you on the cross. Remember, this was done before you were born. God has past tense. See, the Bible wasn't written after you got saved. 
New Testament was written 2,000 years ago. It was given to the Apostle Paul. So he's already accepted you. Once you're in Christ, you accept it. Once you're in Christ, you're chosen. You understand? Once you're in Christ, all this comes to pass for your life. Your inheritance, everything, once you're in Christ. All right? Now, let's look at Colossians 1.14. He's already accepted us. So if I know he has accepted me, some things he has done in my life, in whom we have redemption. What is redemption? Now, don't forget this word because a lot of people don't practice this word in their vocabulary spiritually. In whom we have redemption. Now, if I already have redemption, what do I already have? So God has already forgiven me. But if I don't walk in this, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. The Bible said God has forgiven us. Put it on the screen again. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Well, he's not going to shed his blood no more. Even the forgiveness of sins. He even has told you he has forgiven you of your sins. Now, if God has forgiven you of your sin, then when you, when, if you feel like you missed a mark or something, which ain't nothing but flesh, you flesh out of control. You got to put your flesh under. But don't turn around and ask God to forgive you again. Because that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. Now, if I have, if I have done something against my wife, I would ask my wife to forgive me. But I get up the next morning and I say, Sister Crump, I want to say something to you. I want to ask you to forgive me. Well, you just asked me that yesterday. Well, I know, but, but I forgave it yesterday. Well, why are you asking me again today? You don't think I forgave you? See, what we do is we just, every, we just all day long, we can't even go on with our life because we, we think we got to ask God to forgive us all day instead of thanking God that he has forgiven me. See, forgiveness is, is one time. Forgiveness is not an everyday thing. We've been taught that. See, what I told you, you need to go to Galatians sometime in chapter 5 and get your flesh under. Put that thing under. Because what it's doing is causing you to think sin conscious. Because I did this and I did this and I did it. Well, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Put your flesh under. Take control of yourself. You know, that's, that's why you got to... What, what's going to cause me to do that, Pastor? When I look at Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, and see everything he's done for me and given me, then I'm going to look over here and say, why am I keep doing that? Why am I keep doing that when he did all of this? If you begin to look at it, you're going to see how much God done for you, and then that's going to empower you to say, I don't need that right here. That's the life you got to live. But if you, don't, if you don't get taught about what he's done over here and get this in your spirit, then you're not going to be empowered. See, he's empowering you to live holy. I like the way uh, Joseph says, you, you read the book of Joseph, and one of the things that he says, how can I? Uh, because God had done all this for him, and, and Daniel, those two guys, and now this woman come to him and says, lie with me. And you know what they're going to say? How can I do this against the Lord? I mean, you asking me, 
to, to go out with you one night or sleep with you one night, how can I do this against the Lord who takes care of me seven days a week, 24 hours a day? You, 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 you foolish. You actually mean to give up everything I have with him, my relationship with him, my fellowship with him, everything he's given me, I'm t- just for one night stand. See, if you'll see what the enemy is asking you to do, you already see that he's, he, made, he, put his, he put the bar so high over here, you got to have a med, you got to measure his love. His love is so deep, you cannot go under it. It's so high, you can't go over it. It's so wide, you can't go around it. So he's telling you, you got to weigh, weigh the circumstance. Give the Lord a big hand. All right, now he's told us he has accepted us in Ephesians 1 and 6. Now, he made us accepted in the blood, in whom we have redemption. We got it through his blood, and he told us the forgiveness of sin. All right, so we can see he justified us. 1 Timothy 2, 6. He justified us. 1 Timothy 2, 6. When you realize what God had done for you, it'll cause you to live right. He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Gave himself for my sins. See, if you look at it, I'm going to show you he justified. Go back to Romans 3, uh, 20, 21. Go to Romans 3, 21. See, he justified me freely by his grace. Verse 24. Just give me one verse, 24. He justified me freely by his grace. Isn't that something? When God... When his, when, when his son died on the cross, he made me right with God. All I got to do is receive it. See, when the gospel is preached, you don't have to go make nothing happen, just receive it. I know some churches tell you, well, you can get it, but you got to be baptized in water in Jesus' name first. Or you can receive, but you got to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost first. No, that, that's, that's religion, tradition of men. All you have to do is receive. Freely, you have received freely give. So the gospel is free. Salvation is free. You don't have to attach anything to it. If you attach anything to it, it's not grace. Being justified freely. See, when something is freely without any restraints, without any cost, it's free. Being justified freely by his grace. It's through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. What's the word redemption again? Yeah. Right. It's the, he has justified you freely by his grace through the forgiveness that's in Christ Jesus. His precious blood. See? So man had nothing to do with this. This is what God did for you. But you're going to have to accept this and begin to walk in it. Somebody say amen. amen. One of the greatest things that I see is if you don't know the word, you're going to be deceived. Now, I'm your pastor. I'm telling you the truth. If you don't know the word, you're going to be deceived because if you don't know the word, somebody's going to invite you to their church and tell you about what they believe. I pastor many people who used to go here. And they don't realize, they don't realize they've been drawn, being drawn to different places because somebody, somebody washing feet now. Pastor don't wash feet. So we're going over here where they wash feet. 
See, they, they, they fasting over here. Let's go over here where they're fasting at. Because pastors, don't, we don't fast over there where we at. See, pastors don't baptize in water. Well, let's go over here where they baptize at. See, pastor ain't not going to give us no bread and wine, no, no Passover meal. Let's go over here where we can get, eat some bread and wine. We'll be back. See, that's where man at. That's what happens. That's why we got a book of Galatia. That's exactly why you got the book of Galatia. So many people that go to this ministry, they, their greatest problem is they're being pulled by people who don't go to this church. And they're trying to tell you, you ain't saved. See, that's why you got to know what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe, somebody else will cause you to believe what they believe. Now, if you ask them why you believe what you believe, they're going to tell you, well, my pastor told me. See? And then you ask you, okay, now how, why did your pastor believe what he believed? Because his pastor told him. Well, I don't hear nobody saying nothing about the Bible yet. See, if, if you believe the way you believe, you got to, not your pastor told you, but that's what the Bible teaches. That's why you got to know the word. If you don't know the word, you can't say that. All right. Now, let's go on. Let's go to the next one. Now, this one here, I'm going to spend a little time under. He has made us accept it. Because... You know, I was at a, I go to funerals, and this is one that we hear a lot. Revelation 14, 13. We hear this a lot at funerals. If you have been, if you've been to funerals lately, you probably heard this. And because most preachers have this in a little black book that was written by some preacher. And, pre and pastors are lazy. A lot of them, because they don't want to look in the Bible and say what the Bible says. They just get the book and they read it. And they never think what these people are saying. Let's listen to it, will you? This is what the book of Revelation says. Now, people, if you go to a funeral, most of preachers... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to shame anybody, put them out of down. I'm just saying most people are lazy because they never look at what the word says. They just take, for, take it. Watch this. Don't you just do that, okay? And let me see, have you heard this before? I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, save the spirit. They may rest from their labors. How many have heard that before at a funeral? Come on, don't just stick your finger up there. You heard it. Right. They're going to rest from their labor and their works do follow them. How many know that that can't be you? That's all I need to know. You heard it, but you know that can't be you. Why? Number one, if you listen to what it says, it said they're going to rest from their labor. And I, in this ministry, you are not under labor, are you? Yeah. Under the Bible, Israel were called servants because they were under the law. Under the law, you call what? Yeah. Servants. And then that's another one that people got. They got a song out. 
I don't want him to say nothing else but servant. Well done. Thou good and faithful. You ain't no servant. Do you know what the word servant means in the Bible? Anybody know? Slave. Check it out sometime. The definition for the word servant is slave. That's why, look at, look at Galatians 4.4. 4. See, what happened is we, we listen to people because we think they know. You know, they, they, they got the eloquent voice and they sound so and, you know, and, and whatever. And that, see, I was been deceived before by man, by man. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, is different, nothing, nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Lord of all! Without the word, he's a servant. Now, I say that the heir, he's an heir, but he's nothing, as long as he's a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he's Lord of all. Just keep running, just keep but is on the tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Jesus was the heir, but as long as he was under the law, he was a servant. As long as he was under the law, he was a servant, and he was born under the law. He could not be a son until he was raised from the dead. I, I need you to just flow, because I can't just ask for it. Just, you have to, I'm going to verse 4. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Bondage, labor. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why did he come and do it? To redeem them that were under the law. He had to get them from under the law that they might, that they might receive adoption of sons. As long as you're under the law, you're a servant. And we got people, pastors, it hurt my heart when I see them, young pastors, because they haven't been taught. They learn this from older pastors. And that's what they'll say, stuff like that. I just want to hear him say, servant, well done. And then people goes out and write a stupid song. Some of you heard it? Write a stupid song about it. Just want to be servant, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. Come on up, I'll make you ruler over many. Sounds real good. Come on up where? If you're not in Christ, you're not going up there. See all this stuff, religion, tradition of men, and most people are just dying dying because they don't know the truth. Now, I'm getting ready to check you out and see how much you know. Are you ready? Yeah, now, now you got quiet on me. <laughs> see, my job is to make sure that people I pass is not ignorant. My job is to teach you the word. All right? That's my responsibility. So did you understand that? Rest a little while. Come on up and rest a little while. Let's go to Matthew eleven twenty eight. You know, they didn't have to. Those people were under the law. Now, 
they were dying. And yet this man said that you'll be able to rest from your labor. But that's not how God wanted them to rest. They refused God's rest. That's why you have the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. I share a little of that with you just a moment. But God said to them in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you that labor. Now this is what God, Jesus said to the children of Israel in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden because they were under the law. And I will give you rest. So he promised them rest. Then he said, take my yoke up on you and learn of me. My yoke is the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit and then learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. So it doesn't make any difference if you die and go to hell. Your soul did not get rest. Christ came that you might have life. Also, he came that you might have rest. Once you're in Christ, you have rest for your soul. Is you listening to me? All right. Now, did I finish those three verses? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, let's go to Hebrew. In the book of Hebrews, uh, in the last few chapters, uh, verses, I'm sorry, in chapter three. Hebrew chapter number three. And let's start reading verse 14. And we're going to take Hebrews 3.14 and go right into chapter 4 and show you a few verses. You can finish reading a little later on. I'm not here to try to give you that. But in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14, let's see how they would have the church. When I say they, I'm talking about the church of God. In the Bible, there's the church of God, and then there's the body of Christ. Let me say it again. In the Bible, there's the church of God, and then there's the body of Christ. Let me say it again. In the Bible, there is the church of God, and then in the New Testament, there is the body of Christ. You was not in the church of God. You are in the body of Christ. What people are arguing about, Jesus coming back for them, is over here, the church of God. They were dominant Jewish believers. Paul persecuted the church of God and almost wasted it. And they were Jews. Over here, Paul, through the preaching of the gospel, God has now the gospel of Christ, or the body of Christ. Everybody understand that? Over here was the Father's church. That's why when you hear different churches, you have to hear what they're trying to say. They don't know. You should. This is the church of God. Do you ever hear that people churches called the church of God? Sure. Some churches said they are church of God and you don't even know. Y'all don't go to church enough to know what churches. You, you see them all the time. But then there are churches over here that said we are not the church of God. We are the church of Christ. See, you don't even know what they're trying to tell you. That's why I'm trying to educate you. Over here, they said we're the church of Christ. Over here, they said we are the church of God and Christ. Or we are just the church of God. See, you got all these different things, and everybody have picked up a little bit in here. You know, like we're supposed to know who we're talking about. But the church of, God, church of Christ believe if the church of Christ is not on the door of the church, it's not the church of Christ. 
Or if you're not baptized in water in Jesus' name with the evidence speaking in the tongue, you're not in the church of Christ. So they, they still have Old Testament doctrines of water baptisms, and they call themselves the church of God. And in the church of God, the same way, if you're not baptized in water in the church of God, you still ain't, you ain't saved. If you're not in the church of God, period, you ain't saved. Can I get any witnesses that, that have been in the church of God before? If you've been in church, a church of God in Christ, I'm sorry. If you've been in church of God in Christ, if you lead the church of God in Christ, they will tell you that you are not saved. Don't do that to yourself, brother. Thank you. Thank you that they understand. Don't do that to yourself. Everybody know more fuss. And yet you still do it. And y'all wonder why I fuss. Somebody got to know. I'm going to have to change the way I do things in the church because if you don't know what to do, I got to get somebody who knows what to do. I'm tired of fussing in this church. Do what you're supposed to do or let's get somebody who knows how to do it. Let's move on. Some of y'all don't know yet. I'm a man of order. I like order. You know what you're supposed to do, do it. Let me move on. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, let's go on. Let's go on. In, in this teaching I'm, doing, I'm giving you right now, it says he has made us accepted. All right. Now, I gave you already Revelation 14, 13. I gave you Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Isn't that right? All right. Then I'm at Hebrew chapter number 3, verse 14. Okay. Thank you very much. For we are made partake of Christ if we hold the beginning of our comf confidence steadfast to the, to the end. What the word confidence in that verse? Can you put that in the, in the good news, that same verse, Hebrew 3.14? I apologize for this church, okay? I apologize. I just believe in order. You know what you're supposed to do, do what you're supposed to do. No respect to persons. I'm ministering on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. You just can't just let somebody do something. It'll grieve the Holy Spirit. I remember one time I was watching Pastor Benny Hinn. And they had a, set the little child down the aisle. Now everybody know it, where a preacher going to look at. Most of the church is right down the aisle. See, we have to understand something. Children are children. They want to play. They want to be free. You can't stop that. So you have to understand. You have to have a section in the church where you have for children so they can look at the television so they, can, won't be, they, can, they can have their attention on something. You got to understand that. You can't put them places. They're going to cry. They're going to play. And they're going to embarrass you. Then pastor going to have to fuss. I've been doing this 40 years. Seems like somebody ought to catch on right now, huh? All right. All right. Now, Hebrew 3.14. We're going to look at this. We are all partners with Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at the beginning. I thought it would say the faith, but that's what the word confidence. If we had the faith, right? 
So they had to hold on to their faith, which is their confidence. Is that right? They had to hold on to their faith to the end if they were going to be saved. Read that verse again. They had to hold on. That's the church of God over here. We are, made, we are partakers with Christ if. If they will hold on to the end, the confidence, the faith they had in the beginning. So what did God give these, this church over here? Faith. One more time. So when you look at the three things, I want you to write down three things I'm getting ready to take you somewhere. The Bible has three things that you have to be taught. We're going to go down to Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. While we're there, let's go to Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. If I miss one, I pick it up when I come back. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This Bible told you what to believe and how you're saved. If you don't get anything in this church, if you got the ministers of somebody, you need to understand this verse right here. It told you what to believe. It told you how to be saved. It says, in whom you also trusted. So you need to underline. Do you see how they did it in their teaching? They put a little bracket around it, right? Because that's, that's a very important word. You trust it. But it's told you when that you trust after you heard that word should have brackets also heard. After you heard, what did you hear? The word of truth. Need to put that separate on your page, the word of truth. Now, it did not say the word of faith. It did not say the word of life. See, what we do is we go to churches and we don't even know what they believe and we end up in hell because we have left the word and we think we're right. The man don't know what he's preaching. He graduated from a school where they taught that and that's what he did his church. That's where we were until we had to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you. And if you don't get this, you're going to end up at the wrong church and you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. All right. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. What did you hear? Everybody, what do you hear? You heard the word of truth. Now the word of truth, comma, the gospel of your salvation. What is the word of truth? It's the gospel of your salvation. Well, otherwise, the others could not be the gospel of your salvation. If somebody tell me the word of truth is the gospel of my salvation, then the word of faith cannot be the gospel of my salvation. Amen. You want to write down three things. You want to put them down. Number one, we're going to give them to you backwards. We're going to give you the first last. But number one, which is number three, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, the word of truth. It's the gospel of your salvation. Now watch what it says. It says, in whom also after you believe. Believe what? The word of truth. See, everything is taking you back to the, to the word of truth. You have to trust the word of truth, believe the word of truth, hear the word of truth, and this is the gospel of your salvation. 
in whom also after you believe, what's happened? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What happened? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I know the promise on the next, next page, but, you know, we'll wait till you get there. There you go. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then the verse 14 told you that the Holy Spirit of promise is the down payment or the earnest of our inheritance. It's the down payment of your inheritance. See, you don't have everything visible right now. But you have the Holy Spirit that guarantees everything that I gave you in Ephesians 1 is yours and will manifest your life if you walk it out in the earth. If you live right. It's the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the person's possession unto the praise of his glory. All right. Now let's back up to verse 13 again and let's tear it apart. In whom also, number one, you trusted. After you heard the word of truth. After you heard the word of truth. And he told you the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. So the, so the word of truth is the good news. Is the message of my salvation. All right. Now, I need to know if there are other messages in the Bible. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.15. So if I don't know this, then I'm going to end up at the wrong man's church, hear the wrong message, and I'm thinking I'm right. See, what happened is God raised up somebody to give you the word, and then you don't know what you're getting. So you run down here, over here, where people, you know, we got more folk over there, so they got to be right. Not necessarily. Not according to the word of God. According to the word of God says straight, narrow, broad way, narrow, straight way. Two ways. All right, I'm just waiting for the scripture so I can get to work. Did I tell you where I'm going? Second Timothy 2.15, right? In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Number one word. This message was given to the preacher. Timothy was a pastor. Paul gave this to his son, Timothy. Steady. And the opposite of steady to me is lazy. Because if you're lazy, you're not going to know the word. You'd be getting up in the pulpit talking about Revelation 14, 13. Steady to show yourself approved of God. Steady. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. He told you what to do. Rightly dividing the word of faith. I'm trying to see, are you listening? Rightly dividing the word of life. See, there's a word of life in the Bible. There's a word of truth in the Bible. There's a word of faith in the Bible. The word of faith was not made to save you. The word of faith was made to prosper you. If you ever go and listen to anybody who teach the word of faith doctrine, they are teaching a method of prosperity. Because it is the word, the word word means message. Put up on the screen, NLT, Romans 8, Romans 10, 8 through 10. From the NLT. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10. The word of faith, that's, the, that's another one you should have. You should have the word of truth. Now, the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. So if you go to a church, you got to know what they're preaching. I'm coming back to the word of truth in a minute. I'm going to show you the word of faith. Romans 10, 8 said, in fact, it says the message. See, the word, word means message. The message is very close at hand. It's, in your, it's on your lips. It's on your heart. And that message is the very message about faith. It's not the message of truth. You get faith when truth is preached. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't, if you don't preach truth, you won't have faith. See, faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence of things not seen, not truth. Truth is a person. See, faith is the spirit you get from the person you receive. That's why the Bible said we have the same spirit of faith. Faith is given to you to live. Faith is given to you to communicate with God. But you don't get that if you've never been saved. The word of truth is so you will become a son. Faith is given you so you can receive what the Son has blessed you with. Everybody understanding, I hope, here. In fact, the message is very close at hand. It's in your lips and your heart. The very message, the message of faith that we preach. What does a message of faith say? It's open declare that Jesus Lord, if you open, if, 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 if you open declare that Jesus Lord, who he is, who he is, he's Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be. See, the word of faith promises you, you will be if you don't waver. You can't get anything James says about faith if you waver. I'm waiting for the next, next verse. Romans 10, 8 through 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Let me say it again. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. Can you, can you go to Galatia? I'm sorry, Romans 3, 24. We're going to come right back to this verse. It's by believing in your heart you're made right with God. Well, that's not what the word of truth says. The word of faith says you got to believe in your heart you're made right with God. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this to Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He did it here. He justified us freely by his grace. Put that in the, in the King James, Romans 3, 24. See, I just showed it to you. I said to you, God justified you by his faith. 
by his grace. I said you did nothing and God made you right with himself. Being justified freely by his grace, how was you made right with God? Now I need you to read and say something. Being justified freely how? By grace through the redemption. The reward of redemption is his blood that's in Christ Jesus. So you redeemed by the blood of Christ. You were justified freely by his grace. Now go back to that verse, Romans 10 and 10. So you, if you hear what it's telling you, we was in the NLT, Romans 10 and 10. Now he's telling you that you got right with God by your confession, by your belief. For it is by believing in your heart that you are right, made right with God. It's by believing in your heart you're made right with God. It's what you did in your heart made you right with God. The cross justifies you freely by his grace. The word of faith says, believe in your heart you're right with God. And it's by openly declaring faith you are saved. Ephesians 2 8 says, By grace you are saved. Can't you? If anybody can see the truth. Amen. See, the word, the, the difference is it's like the leaven, it's like it's like the two things, the, the wheat and the tares. They both look so much alike. I believe when Eve went in that garden to, to eat, she didn't know which one. They look just alike. Which one is the. Well, shoot, I just take that one. She didn't know it was too close. And that's the word of life. The word, the word, the word of truth is a revealed word, if you're taking notes. The word of truth is what? It's the revealed word. Now, how many in this church know what it means when I say the revealed word? The word reveal. What's the reveal word? If something is revealed, what does it mean? Paul's message is reveal word. That means God had to give it to him by revelation. Amen. He didn't have nobody he could go and get it from in the earth. Nobody. He had to be revealed from heaven. The Holy Ghost is the only one that can reveal to you the word of God. So that's how Paul got it by the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth comes to give you the word of truth. The spirit of truth, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, John 16 and 13, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he shall teach you all things. He, he shall bring all things to your remembrance. You cannot know the word of truth without the spirit of truth. Let's see how you get the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1, and I'm going to show you how you get the Holy Spirit in the Word of Faith Church. I'm not here to put you down, not here to put nobody up. I'm just here to tell you the truth. You can believe what you want to believe. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, told you how to get the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm showing you. If you don't know what the Word of Truth is, you, you, maybe that's why you ain't got the Holy Spirit. You don't even know what the, Holy Ghost, what the Word of Truth is. You still think they right and they right. 
The word of faith was given to the Jewish believer. Because he had to hold fast his confidence, stat fast to the end. Before he could receive the promise. And whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, so you heard. And whom also you believed when you heard. You believe, you trusted, trusted, heard, believe. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, it did not say you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with. God hugged you. God put his arms around you and won't let go. God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. You can't get away from this. He has his loving arms around you. You are now in him and he's in you. You seal you with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's go and see how you get the Holy Ghost in a word of faith church. I'm going to preach faith to you. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. I'm going to preach faith, faith, faith to you. And then I'm going to tell you to come. I'm going to help you get the Holy Spirit. See, people seen it over their lifetime. They didn't know they were seeing it. See, I grew up as a person, as a young man, listening to people who taught the Word of Faith doctrine and still teach the Word of Faith doctrine. And this is what they're going to tell you when you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not die in your heart, but believe those things that you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. That's the Word of Faith doctrine. The word of faith doctrine, if God knows, find this for me because I can't think about it, not about notes. If God knows know how to give good gift, if you know how to give good gift to your children, how much more shall he give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? Is the word of faith doctrine. If you know how to give good gift to your children, how much more shall, he, shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? And then I'm going to show you, what is it? Matthew 7, 11. Now don't y'all go out and play that. I'm trying to get you saved. <laughs> Boy, it's, it's really sad. That anointing went all over when he said. Come on, let's get saved. Oh. Hey, if you then, me and Eva, know how to give good gift for your children, how much more shall your heavenly father which is in heaven, give good fame. That's one of them, but I want the one that said the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www mydoorfaith.org that's www.mydoorfaith.org